Welcome to another episode of the Panoramic Health Podcast. Thank you so much for joining us again. Today, I have the absolute pleasure of speaking with Ebony Rook, and we take a deep dive into the Generate Change project. So Generate Change is a project that has been running in the Southern Grampians Shire or within the communities of the Southern Grampians Shire for over six years now. And we chat about how you can be involved in the project, how it actually runs. So who are the actual drivers of this project, how the pandemic has affected it and how we as communities can actually make the healthier choice, the easier choice. So without further ado, I'm going to hand over to Ebony. Thank you so much for joining us, Eb. This was a great chat and I look forward to chatting again one day soon. Great to have Ebony from Generate Change with us. And um, I'm actually just right off the bat, Eb, I'm gonna throw it over to you. I want you to, um, if you could introduce yourself, and I've got a little viewer in the background here. Off you go, Stu. Thank you, mate. Um, <laughs> and um, introduce yourself and your role, um, and then we'll we'll get stuck into it from there. Yeah, awesome. Thanks, Diane. Thanks for having me on. Um, I just want to start quickly too by acknowledging the traditional owners of the land on which we're both chatting to each other from today, and paying my respects to elders, past, present, and emerging. Um, I'm Ebony. I'm actually a nutritionist. So I studied um, a Bachelor of Health Science at Deakin University and majored in nutrition and health promotion. And I always thought I was going to end up as a dietitian um, until a final year placement in health promotion kind of led me to um, generate change and, and see Change Portland, which is the equivalent down there in this part of the world. And I just really fell in love with um, a more holistic and community-led approach to health and well-being. So that's that's what's landed me in this role. Um, Generate Change itself started back when I was a student. So I attended some community workshops as a student and then sort of got a little bit of a feel for what it was all about, not really understanding properly, um, but knowing the concept. And then the project officer role came up. So I, I jumped on that job um, and have been in that role almost six years now actually transitioned out of it um, at the start of the year so we've actually just employed a new community development officer with Generate Change Emma Schultz who I'll make sure um, her contact details are shared at the end but I'm still very involved in in sort of the back end side of things so it's nice to still be around the, the same group yeah. community. so it's an exciting period of change for you guys in you in as an organization and in yourselves so that's that's really exciting for you yeah, it really is. It's nice to have um, Emma's sort of established in the health space locally as well. So she brings her own networks and, and knowledge and just a different view on things, as, as which, you know, um, is always beneficial to have people from different places coming together and doing the thinking. Yeah, yeah. And so Generate Change is actually a program that um, I've looked into quite a bit um, from my background as I my original field of study was health promotion and um, that's what my bachelor degree is in and um, it's always been a program that I have loved to um, participate in along the way where I can and um, and to watch grow over the course of the years as well so for anyone who's who is watching who maybe doesn't know what Generate Change is. Can you tell us a little bit about the program itself and what it offers? Yeah, cool. So our one-liner, I suppose, is that it's a community-led um, initiative for 
the prevention of childhood obesity. That's what it, it started as, I suppose, and our goals have morphed a little bit over time as they do. Um, but I suppose the point of difference with it is it's all grounded in what we call a systems approach. So it's not about, I've never used my skill set to write an individual diet plan or nutrition program for someone. Um, it's all about changing the environments in which we live in so that the healthier choice is the easier choice. So it's taking that sort of individual um, lens away from it and focusing on the environments where we live and work and play. So we do a lot of work with um, with schools, with sporting clubs, workplaces, local government, etc., to make sure that our community um, is really then conducive to that individual making the healthier choice. Yeah, and I love that tagline. It just it really sums it up very nicely. It is just making the healthier choice the easier choice, and it's it does. yeah. And when I work with individuals um, in the nutrition space, it is something that. Um, I hear quite often is that um, that people will say to me, I actually, um, so something I do is actually um, right off the bat, talk about the person that they want to become as part of this, new, like the nutrition focus that we take on. And um, that often they will say to me, I want to be that person who, when they go to a cafe, make, feels it it feels easy for them to make the healthier choice or to choose that healthier option. And um, I think that that works both ways. So we want our businesses and our organisations actually presenting those healthier options to make it easier for people to do that as well. So love, love that tag. Yeah, yeah, that's it. And I suppose um, a, a part of it where we're different as well is that community-led part of it. So you know, I can say that I'm from Generate Change. We have a bit of a backbone support team that's made up of a few organisations. So the Primary Care Partnership, who I work for, Western District Health Service and Southern Grampian Shire Council are the main ones. And we sort of sit in the background and provide maybe a bit of resource and a little bit of support. Um, but it was really up to the community to do the doing. And our role is to sort of handhold them and support them in making changes in their settings so that the healthy choice is easier. Um, and then doing a lot of linking between community groups and sharing of those kind of success stories and helping that momentum flow on. So it's not always um, us in the background doing the doing, it's, it's up, the up to the community to do the doing. Um, yeah. And that's where we're, yeah, sort of seeing some real sustainable outcomes because it's not um, as reliant on that external resource. Yeah, and that's a real, that's a real skill in itself um, because often I'm in the individual space and in the organisational space, it's often easier to just go, you know what, we'll just do it ourselves. Like we don't, <laughs> whereas you guys are actually saying, no, no, we don't want to do it. You need to do it, but we'll support you in that. So that's that's actually a real skill skill set in itself um, for the people that work within your organisation. So there um, is. We call it walking out backwards is what we often refer, refer to. <laughs> you, can, you can be in there and you can be sort of holding some hands and you have to gently let go and, and see where it goes. Yeah, yeah. So how long has Generate Change actually been going for? Um, so we sort of kicked off, I suppose, at the end of 2015 with some, some big community workshops where we actually had over 170 community members, I think it was, come together and explore the problem a little bit. And at that stage, we really did define the problem as childhood obesity. But obviously, there's an array of health behaviours that come under that. So, you know, we were talking about things like active transport, access and availability of healthy food, um, physical activity. So it was sort of a starting point to get a bit of a shared understanding um, as a community of what that looked like in the Southern Grampians at the moment and then use that shared understanding to plan for community-driven action. So that all happened 
six years back. So it's, um, yeah, it's, it's growing some legs now. Yeah, and it's so it's quite well developed now. And so um, you have mentioned some of the organisations and workplaces involved and Generate Change now does have many different arms and different facets to it. So can you tell us some examples of some of the projects that we might have seen or heard of in the community? Yeah, sure. Um, they're diverse, which is a really good thing. I think we have, again, as a background support team, sort of doing a little bit of that monitoring and tracking what's actually happening um, on the ground in community. We've got an action register and there's over 280 actions in there that the Southern Grampians community have made. Um, so there's a lot, but I suppose another arm of Generate Change too is a little bit of advocacy. So um, something that come out of some of that at a local level a few years back was some more water fountains around town. Um, I think there was one down Gray Street, one at the skate park, one at Bedrina Park. So that's something that's happened sort of in that infrastructure space. Yeah. Um, with the help of the likes of one and water and council as well to get those installed um, and then as I said in schools we've we've done a lot um, a lot of sort of reformulating lunch order menus for schools to make sure that they have um, not just an adequate amount of healthy options but those healthy options are appealing to kids and they actually want to order them yeah. um, schools as well and you know kinders and early learning things like fundraisers and and sort of helping community groups think outside the box um you know, trying to steer away from the old chocolate drive yeah <laughs> it's funny how we say um think outside the box there and we're referring to think outside the chocolate box but um yeah sort of assisting organizations think about maybe doing an active color run fundraiser or we've had a school that um, does sort of annual tough mutters as their fundraiser so really getting creative with that and making change in that space um, you might have heard as well of the WDHS cafeteria. That's been sort of a, a really big one at an organisational level. They've um, made their cafeteria food all green. So we often use the healthy choices guidelines um, in community and with community groups. So that's the, the classic traffic light system that a lot of people are probably familiar with in saying that there's red, amber and green choices. Um, so Western District Health Service have transformed their green um, uh, cafeteria menu to make it all green so you know the healthy choice is the only choice there um yeah. which is and which is that's, really that was a really interesting approach to take in that I was actually working um in administration in the hospital at the time that they made those changes come in so that we started with the um, there was no soft drinks available in the cafeteria and then that moved on to being all green foods. So there was some, and there was some backlash from that. Um, so how, how, or do you even know, do you know how they handled that backlash in terms of, um, I guess, justifying what people were saying was they're taking our choice away? Mm -hmm. Yeah, there is a lot of that. Um, and I mean, generate change as a whole. We are not about taking choice away. I think that, you know, often the terms um, nanny state and things like that are, are thrown around at, at things when you are taking that approach. And that's not the approach at all. It's just making it, again, we go back to that, making it easier to make that healthy choice. Yeah. Um, I think in the case of Western District Health Service, you know, they're a health service and they really wanted to lead by example and, and go that extra step further. Um, and despite the backlash, I think that there was probably a, a slow um, build and a slow transition, which helped alleviate some of that. And like you say, with the sugary drinks, we've found that in a lot of settings that that might be sort of the first port of call for um, any community group or 
or sporting yeah. club or um, even Highlight have, have made that change and removed any drinks that have been classified as red. And it's sort of a small step in the right direction. So it's kind of priming people's readiness for, for something bigger. Yeah. And after a while, I mean, you give it you give it a bit of time and people just go, oh, well, I know that that's not available there. So what can I have? That's and- it. And it's not saying that people can't bring, um, you know, a soft drink or or leave site if it's we're talking about the internal workforce at WDHS to access other foods it's just making the healthier choice the easier choice on site yeah yeah absolutely and it's and it's also um, when you think about it with schools and workplaces you might be there for eight hours so you have the choice you can either bring your own stuff into work or have the sugary drinks or whatever it might be when you're at home for dinner you know it doesn't it doesn't mean you can't have them at all it just means that we're actually not going to provide them here within this workplace for you so it's not yeah it's not really taking your choice away like many people had deemed that it was so I think it was actually quite a a good program and um, a successful program. So what would you say actually were the main contributors to the success of that program and the other programs that have um, been established through Generate Change? Yeah, I think in general, um, in Generate Change, there's probably three things. So that, and and we talked about maybe building some of that community readiness for the change. So actually having a level of of readiness to change as a community and not just, you know, as a committee of a sporting club, but you actually need the participants and the people that are going to be exposed to the change to be somewhat ready for it. Yeah. Um, so that's one thing. I think the next thing is having really strong leadership or we like to call them community champions at community level. So um, as you know, it often only takes that one person person to be extra passionate about health and wellbeing um, in, you know, a committee of a sporting club, for an example. Uh, to get some change across the line. So having that real champion in there that can kind of then filter out and and embed that change in that setting. Um, And then I think the third thing in terms of success and sustainability of these changes as well is the changes that have um, minimal reliance on any sort of external resource or any sort of external professional coming in and, again, doing that doing that has to step away eventually. So um, having the resource and the skills and the capacity within the community group to sustain the change probably is what really gets over the line and and keeps it over the line. So that's what we're all about is trying to build that community skill and capacity to make the change and then sustain it. Yeah, yeah. And so something you're saying there is, um, or I guess the way I would approach it is that, Often making the healthier choice the easier choice isn't about taking options away like it can be. It's just about providing more options. So, and I know something that um, one of the local football clubs have done um, in their canteen, which I noticed this year was um, Glen Dunkeld have actually started to provide mineral water in their canteen so the the cans of sparkling mineral water rather than just having the usual Gatorades and soft drinks there they've actually got this other option and it was so I think like they haven't actually taken anything away your choice is still there they've just provided an extra option so that you can go you know what I'll just have the sparkling mineral water today I don't need the the really sugary drinks so um and that sounds like that's been an approach with many of the programs is to just provide more options yeah yeah no it definitely has and and even not always providing more options like when we talk about sugary drinks as well sometimes it's just the the product placement of the drinks in a in a fridge at this 
at the sporting club. So making sure that all your water's at eye level and if you have a few cokes available, put them right down the bottom so people can't visually see it. Because um, yeah. we find that that sort of, that's called a bit of a nudge um, tactic, really yeah. helps people think about making that healthier choice as well. So it might not even be, um, yeah, like you said, taking things away or necessarily adding things, just a, a little bit of a change up. Um, yeah, any sort of tiny change, we talk about what can we do? So, you know, we can't change the world all the time, but what can we do? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So um, do you see common areas or so when someone comes in to generate change and we're looking at that list of 280 action, is it action areas? Was that what you called them? Um, so there's, they are just actions. So actions or changes that have happened in the community, but we do have a few themes that are arising in there. Yeah, yeah. I was that was going to be my next question. Do you notice themes come through or popular areas that people actually want to focus on, and what what are some of those? Yeah, we have. I think probably to date, um, most of our work has been done in the schools and with the schools, and that's just been again going back to the schools being um, that sort of confined environment where the kids spend six hours a day there. They're kind of ready. They're a little bit mandated or encouraged by department to encourage healthy choices and practices. So they're kind of that captive audience. So um, in terms of setting-based themes, the schools have been a big one. And I'd say within that probably um, healthy eating and active transport. So that's been a, a pretty big one as well. Um, and coming back to the success of some of those actions, I think that readiness for improving active transport and the amount of kids that are walking and riding to school has kind of been built over time by different, more traditional programs that were around even before Generate Change, like the likes of um, the Vic Health Walk to School program that's, that's rolled out every year. Um, and our role then has been to sort of help the schools make sure that that goes from a traditional program that maybe runs for the month of October and at the end of October, you know, kids revert back to getting rides to school and it's back to business as usual, um, sort of thinking about, well, we're, we're getting a taste of this behaviour change. What can we put in place to sustain it? So in that instance, we've done things like develop sort of permanent drop-off points away from school. And we've even got Hamilton North Primary School actually has some permanent signage around their, their drop-off point. So just Perfect. putting those sort of permanent structures in place that help that change um, sustain over time. So yeah, in terms of the themes, sorry, going back to the themes, I'd say most of the work to date has been done in schools, but not all of it. Um, and within the school setting, probably healthy eating and, and active transport have been the two big ones. Yeah. And so when you're talking active transport, you're not just talking, um, you know, walking. It's sort of you can ride your bikes to school or encouraging oh. that type of activity. or um, And it doesn't have to be specifically... Um, setting up say a walking school bus or anything like that it's just as simple as putting those those drop-off points in so that kids have to walk that little bit of an extra distance to get there that's it because I mean let's face it in our area uh, probably more than half of kids just don't have the option to walk from their home to their school um, I don't know what the, the data is now but you know the amount of kids that get bussed in as well obviously that takes away that choice for a lot of kids. So we're even encouraging, particularly it's been easier with schools that have their own private buses and don't run through the department system, um, to drop off, you know, a couple of blocks away from school and have the, the private bus loader kids walk together from school from there as well. So again, it's looking at, um, you know, not having that mentality of it's all too hard, we live too, too far away from the school to walk. Well, what can you do? Yeah. How, how far can you walk? Yeah. Yeah. 
Perfect. And so that's so that's one of the outcomes from the programs. Has there been any others um, that are notable along the way? You've mentioned the hospital cafeteria and um, Hilux cafeteria as well is another one. Have there been any others? Yeah, there's been, well, like I said, there's been the 280 changes and those are the things that are either completed or, or in progress. Um, so there's been other things like the development of community produce swaps or even produce swaps within workplaces. Um, so, you know, something like that sounds so informal and, and easy to do, but can have such a big impact. Um, we've also had workplaces that then have then gone beyond that and done like little recipe cards for each other and done a bit of a recipe swap within the workplace. So there's some sort of um, smaller scale things that are pretty easy to implement. But in terms of outcomes as well, we did, um, because Generate Change really started off, uh, we started off as part of a research project, actually, I should throw that in there. So there was a bit of um, data collection and monitoring that went on. We collected uh, weights and measures of kids in schools in 2015, 2017 and 2019. And alongside that as well, we did a behavioural survey to find out you know, how much the kids reported anyway, that they were eating and and how much water they were drinking and how much physical activity that they were doing. Um, so we did sort of track a few of those uh, outcomes and saw some really good change, particularly between 2015 to 2017. And then we saw maybe a bit of a plateau in uh, weight status between 17 and 19. Um, but something that's been really good consistently with that data is improvement in physical activity. So yeah. that's been one of the strong outcomes. Um, the measures were meant to be undertaken again this year in 2021, but obviously covid uh, put a stop to that unfortunately but yeah we're lucky that we have sort of that other uh, we call it process type data like tracking the actual action that's going on to sort of get a bit of a, a feel about the success of the initiative as a whole yeah perfect and so do a lot of the programs work in conjunction with each other or are they usually like standalone actions that people do or yeah a bit of a mix um I guess that comes back to part of our role as well in really going out to different community groups and capturing the stories about the changes that they've made and then sharing that with the broader community and kind of encouraging that linking and learning from each other. Um, we often put on, well, pre-COVID, um, we did a lot of community breakfasts as well where we'd have a few different community members from different settings talk about the changes they'd made within their setting and what were the um, things that made that change hard or what were the things that helped that change happen um, and then really encouraging that networking between community groups to get some collaborative action happening so um, not always but we do encourage and that's our key role to link community but in the same sense I think that sometimes um, that we've found that can be actually a barrier sometimes you know one sporting club or one leader within one sporting club will know what they want to do and they'll just go ahead and do it and sometimes collaboration can slow them down so um, it's a bit of a case by case but yeah, we love to see community link and learn from each other for sure. Yeah, yeah. And so um, you've mentioned the, um, previously about not, um, not building projects that rely on external sources that will then need to be taken away. But obviously projects will often not run free of charge. So how do, how do the projects normally generate funds? Yeah, so... Um, when we're talking about changing what's already there, it's actually really surprising what doesn't need money, um, yeah. I think, when you really get into it. And, again, when that uh, financial barrier sort of pops its head, we go back to that question, well, what can we do? 
Um, but that is another role of the backroom support group. So often just through our different organisations, we'll have access to different buckets of money for things. Um, the walk to school and the drop-off points are a really good example that we access the money through Vic Health um, and, you know, pass that on to help Hamilton North do that. So that's part of our role is to find any kind of external funds that are out there to support community action. But Generate Change itself doesn't have a, a pool of funds to hand out for that community sort of stuff. Again, we're sort of playing that that linking role and finding the money there when it's needed. But um, quite often we actually find that when groups really get down to it and look at it, they, they don't need much resource to get going. It might not always be financial resource. It'll be sort of those, those knowledge and, and that skills. Um, and, and, time. Um, and time. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I mean, time, time is money, but um, time is, you know, when you're passionate about something and you're willing to work, work towards it, time is a free resource. So yeah, um, yeah we haven't sort of come up against too many barriers where finances have stopped community groups making changes. Sometimes when, you know, we want to add things or create new programs or things like that, they'll need a little bit more behind them. Um, but we're here to help with that. Yeah, perfect. So let's chat a little bit about the pandemic and some of the changes that you've noticed um, along the way within Generate Change, because obviously they're a community-driven project and that has been somewhat taken away um, with all the lockdowns that have happened um, and so over the past sort of 18 months. So do you feel, so I guess how has that changed for you as an organisation and as a project and what are, um, has the focus of some of the projects changed because of the pandemic as well? Yeah, sure, sure. Um, so back in, I think it was June 2020, we actually did a bit of a community check-in, just a, a survey, and we put it out to the whole Southern Grampians community just to get a bit of a feel around um, where they were at individually and sort of at a, at a family level and a, a community group level around health behaviours during COVID. So we asked some questions around how they're keeping healthy and well and what kind of strategies they're using or what they might be struggling with. Um, how their behaviours have sort of changed in that time. And, I mean, that was June 2020. So I think if we probably did that again now, it would be um, different again. But, you know, we, we found and we heard from quite a, a chunk of people, but we found that um, people are, you know, having more screen time, they were accessing more takeaway. Uh, some of that was kind of justified by wanting to support local businesses and also having more and different, more exciting healthy takeaway options yeah. available during COVID, which I think is a huge plus. Yeah, that's true. Um, it is, yeah. And we also heard that people were, um, sorry, phone call, people were doing more physical activities, surprisingly. So even though organised sports and gyms and everything was a no-go, it was that sort of incidental getting out and about with your family. Um, so that was really pleasing to hear. And I think kind of hearing some of that context Help us, helped us plan for what we were going to do, um, not knowing how long the pandemic was going to go on. So particularly that screen time bit sort of launched a little bit in us saying, okay, well, a child is, um, you know, a lot of that screen time during COVID is inevitable with remote learning and, and staying socially connected and whatever else. But we just kind of acknowledged that throughout COVID, um, a child's influences, I guess, are taken away from them. So normally they're in school and they're sort of, learning a little bit from their teacher they're going to sport after school and they're getting a bit of a, a peer influence from their kids and they're taking on habits from their sporting coach but during COVID times the parent is the sole um, sort of influencer over the child so 
we thought about that for a little bit and then we thought about this you know reoccurring theme that was coming up from community about screen time and we thought let's help build the parental capacity around how to manage screen time um so that's we did that we brought in an external expert and ran a webinar around um screen time and then sort of connected community afterwards to check in and see how they were going and Again, that linking and sharing strategies within the home. So it was a bit of a shift from thinking about the environments that we're in because we're not in them during COVID times um, and transitioning a little bit more into the home. And I mean, down the track with that as well, um, we did that again around food and mood. So when everyone sort of was realising what kind of effects COVID was having on maybe mental health and mood, um, we know and the evidence tells us that we can improve our mood a little bit through what we eat. And our diet so we did some um, capacity and, and skill building uh, for parents around food and mood for their kids as well so there has been definitely a shift from more of that settings-based work to thinking about what can be done in the home yeah perfect and that yeah there has been some great projects i know my my daughter just a couple of weeks ago actually did a cooking class online with you guys um which she loved so um it was a nice i guess break for her where she got to she I guess she was still looking at a screen because obviously it was yes. online but um it was a nice break from her usual school schoolwork routine and um and home routine as well because um I think often the issue with the increased school time for kids as well was that is that um you've either got one or both parents still trying to work from home as well so they're like well yes, kids, just go, just go and be on your screen. I need to get this done kind of thing. Um, and I know that that's happened a lot in our house as well. So um, having the, the, the projects out there that actually help to help us to, to deal with that and give us ways um, that we can reduce that screen time because um, I think as parents, we all know that it's, it's not great for our kids to be staring at screens all day and it's actually not great for us to be staring at screens all day either. So, um, yeah. It's not. It's a, yeah. it's a pretty tough gig too. So um, we're glad we got some external sort of help with that. And, you know, all those webinars and things are saved um, on the Generate Change website and Facebook page too if anyone wants to go back and revisit them because some, some really good tips um, within that. Yeah. But just in terms to as well, die like community-led action during COVID times, um, you know, obviously people's sort of passion and things was really um, life was sort of sucked out of a few projects. So I suppose we were really realistic in expectations and really cautious not to put too much onto community during that time and just thought that, you know, any change that was or action that was maybe done um, pre-COVID, anything that was sustained during COVID, I suppose, is just a, a huge win. Um, but really keen to sort of revitalise that side of things again as we come out the other side, hopefully. Absolutely. And I think there's lots of good things happening around Hamilton as well that um, we can possibly, I guess, leverage off and, and get ideas from and inspiration from, you know, things like putting the three by three basketball down at Melville right. Oval is fantastic. Like every yep. time I've driven past there, there's been a ton of kids there using it and, um, you know, the revitalisation of Padrina Park as well. Um, I think will be great for the community just to have those extra spaces available and they feel fresh as we as we are coming out of COVID and we can all go along and it feels like feels feels like new. Yeah, absolutely. It's amazing what what difference um it's made with, with Melville Oval putting those basketball rings there and just activating that space and, and watching the people come. Yeah, 
Yeah. So on a personal level for you, um, you both live and work within the community. So what do you see currently, I guess, as one of the greater needs to make the healthier choice the easier choice? Yeah. Um, I think that we're slowly coming a long way in Southern Grampians, but for me it probably comes back to that just pure access to health, convenient and healthy food options. Um, as I said, you know, during COVID, I think our local cafes have done a fantastic job and it's really good to see, you know, a lot of those takeaway options um, staying on the menu and things like, you know, family, family meal packs and things like that that we might not have had access to before. I think that's been amazing. But I think in general, maybe some of the, the big boys are pushing back in a way, like I'm seeing, you know, Hungry Jacks pop up down the road and um, things like that are still sort of inhibiting, I think, the power that local communities truly do have so for me it will go back to that um, access access to food options because you, you can like you said you can be really willing and, and go out there with the intent to make a healthy choice and sometimes the truth is that it's just not available yeah yeah and it's been really interesting looking at the um, exposure sites in Hamilton that have popped up um, and we haven't had many but they've been sort of McDonald's, KFC, those types of places that are actually open quite readily um, and have drive-through available <laughs> that they've been able to use, whereas a lot of, I guess, the local other smaller cafes haven't had that option. So That's it. Um, and that's actually sparked quite a bit of conversation, I think. I've heard a few people comment about, oh, that person must have been so unhealthy. And then you kind of reflect back on... Um, well you know what else what else was accessible to him at that particular time and um yeah time of day and, and the time that he might have had available to access food so I mean it is a bit of a, a systemic problem and, and Southern Grand Prix isn't alone in that by any means. Yeah absolutely so you've been working on the project for many years and about to I guess hand your baby over in a way um so do you have particular practices that you've implemented in your own life that have made the healthier choice the easier choice for you? I've always been pretty into sort of health and and fitness in my personal life as well but I think particularly in COVID times just being a bit more organized and I don't know if working from home kind of helps with that a little bit but even the likes of you know not wanting to leave the house too much in the earlier well earlier days um, of COVID so things like doing a, a weekly shop and making a meal plan and, and sticking to that um, I think yeah. has come a long way for me it takes away sort of that temptation of going to the supermarket every day after work and being hungry and grabbing a chocolate bar on the way out kind of thing yeah. so just that organization and, and preparation I think in my own home has helped me yeah, yeah. stick to the, the healthier choices most of the time yeah, absolutely. And that's something I work with people on is um, one of the first things with nutrition will always be to, okay, let's let's sort out what you, let's plan out what you're actually going to eat, where, uh, eat for the week because it takes away that temptation. When you are hungry, you are actually much more likely to just grab whatever is there so um, and whatever's put in front of you. So um, it, that almost takes away your choice. Um, that's it. You're sort of setting up. I mean, when we're talking about the environment around us, you're you're setting up your immediate environment to be conducive to those healthier choices. Yeah, yeah. So, um, last question for you, um, and it's one that I ask 
everyone who comes on here and we have a chat. So if you think back five or 10 years, is your life now how you had planned it? And what things would you do 100 times over? Well, um, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to work on five years ago because 10 years yeah. ago, who knows what was happening then. Um, <laughs> <laughs> five years ago, I feel like I probably didn't really have a plan. And I think that my plan was probably to have a plan in five years' time, we'll say. Um, <laughs> but I would have just started working up in this role about five years' time in a part-time capacity and I had, you know, my, my side job at Woolworths as well to kind of keep me going. Um, the, nation, the notion of health promotion work often is it's, that it's part-time at, at least as a starting point, so you kind of yeah. have to do what you've got to do there. Um, but I think, yeah, so I think my plan five years ago was to really kind of have a plan at the point where I'm at now and I feel like I do because I know that I really enjoy this kind of community-based work and I'm really interested in kind of the the theory and the planning and the logic behind it so I suppose my next um five-year plan is to to stay in this space and to hopefully keep say, seeing um yeah a lot of positive change within the community and it kind of goes hand in hand I think uh the thing that I do a hundred times over was uh working experience and, and placement and stuff like that whilst studying because I honestly believe that if I hadn't um, sort of jumped into health promotion with the placement with the PCP I probably would have went off and, and done a, a master's of dietetics and who knows I could have loved that um, but I wouldn't have had the exposure to, to this community sort of side of things that I've had now so um, yeah. yeah I think just taking any opportunity particularly when you're in that sort of opportunistic time of your life and I, I feel like whenever you're studying there are little opportunities that come up and sometimes you can have your blinkers on and you're really tunnel vision and you know where you want to get to at the end yeah. Um, but I sort of made a conscious choice not to be like that, I suppose. And, um, yeah, I, I do that again and again, that sort of open-mindedness. And, yeah, that's awesome. And you're not the only person who has said that. Um, so there was an interview I did a little while ago with Jess Berg, and yep. she all had also said that she um, would do that placement again because she changed the course of her career in where she wanted to go from the placements that she did while she was studying. So um, I think obviously a very, very important thing to be doing. Um, but is there anything, has there anything sort of, I guess, started to come or, or any actions that are coming up for Generate Change that you want to chat about? Um, yeah, so we're doing, uh, when I talk about active transports in schools, we're doing a bit of um, revitalisation, I suppose, of some walking to school actions. So there's some um, painting that's going to go on around sort of footpaths and school grounds in the next little while, hopefully over term four while the weather's nice, um, of footprints and little things like that to kind of make the environment a little bit more um, exciting and, and jazzy and encouraging kids to work together. So we've got um that happening in some schools I think Tarrington's going to be the first cab off the rank and then we're really keen to share sort of the story and a, a few photos about what it could look like and get some more kid, um, schools and, and families involved in doing that painting and coming together um in terms of other stuff the the green recipes that are used at the Western District Health Service we've been putting them into infographics and sharing them out um via Facebook to the community as well so just improving 
um, access to some of those those recipes. And we actually used those recipes in those cooking classes that you referenced during the school holidays die too. So planning on hopefully doing um, a few more of them as we come into the warmer months and showcasing some of those green recipes that were designed by WDHS. But yeah, you can, anyone that's watching, um, make sure that you follow our Generate Change Facebook page and, and Instagram and anything that's sort of um, going on and community share, um, sort of success stories and things we'll, we'll share through there. So keep an eye on that. Awesome. That was going to be my next question. Where can people actually go to find out more about Generate Change? Yeah, there's also the website too. Sorry. So that's just www.generatechange.com and you can contact us through there as well. And you'll get on to Emma um, through awesome. doing that. Awesome. That's it's really exciting. And and Emma, if you're listening, congratulations on your new position. I look forward to seeing what happens to the Generate Change project in the future. And so um, if you are going to the website as well, something that I guess that we should mention is that it is www.genr8. Yes. So the figure eight, and that was dot com. Com. <laughs> com. Yeah, and just some, I guess some context for everyone too, because Generate Change, I mean, where did the name come from? You know, where did the, why is there an eight in the middle? We often get asked that question. Um, yeah. It's to represent the eight uh, communities of the Southern Grampians. So recognising that it's not just Hamilton, there's actually eight uh, communities across Southern Grampians and we want to be impactful and help them all change their practice. So that's where the eights come from in there. Perfect. All right. Well, I am going to let you go, Ev, but thank you so much for joining us today and thank you for giving up your time to come on here and chat about some of the really wonderful things that are, have happened and are happening within the community. And yeah, really looking forward to seeing how the project evolves over the next six or more years as well. So congratulations on the work that you've done in this space um, up until now and um, congratulations on your new position as well. And uh, yeah, looking forward to seeing what happens in the future. But thank you so much for joining us today. Beautiful, no worries. And thanks to the community for, um, you know, without the community, we wouldn't have had any of the changes that we've got today. So big thanks to them too. Thanks, Di. Correct, thanks. Bye.